Hey everybody, welcome back to Bet On Yourself podcast. We are coming towards the end of season two. And as I was writing this episode, I was really struck by the common themes that have come out, maybe really not consciously on my part, but as we've been growing, I'm so glad to see that we're kind of centering on what really matters to us most. Yes, this podcast is about career advancement and creating opportunities and having big impact and all those buzzwords. But what really matters to me most is that we feel like we're centered on what brings us actual joy and that we're contributing what we value most into the world. So I actually found it hard to write this episode because I was really stuck in kind of that business mindset at first, because this week's theme is on mastering pivots. And there's so much we could talk about around pivots, especially um, in 2021 when we're just recovering from the pandemic. And we're really trying to be purposeful with this opportunity we have. Maybe there we have had some major change-ups in our work life, our personal life, or all of the above. And so when I was first um, thinking about what we could talk about, I just started drafting up a big list of questions. I thought maybe we would address someone who's transitioning from being a manager into a leader about up-leveling that experience, or maybe you had an idea of something that just hasn't worked out or a business idea that didn't survive the pandemic pivot. So what do we do with that? How do we come out the other side with better ideas or ideas for how to experiment and iterate? Or another important topic we could talk about is when to level up in your work, maybe you wanna go for promotion or maybe it's time for a transition and how to know when, it, when it's time to go. Or stepping into the spotlight, maybe there's an opportunity for you to level up, take on something big and scary and how do you get the courage to own that spotlight of yours? And also now when we're trying to be purposeful in our work, how can we engineer some serendipity? How do we invite opportunities outside of what um, might come to us more reactively? I do think these questions are important and we will come back to it um, towards the end of this episode. But first I wanted to get into a couple things that I think are important frameworks for us to have solid first before we can tackle these more practical questions. So there has been a silver lining to the pandemic and I do think that has been realizing the value of having choices again. Uh, opportunities to travel, to see each other in real life, to recenter our life, our habits, our patterns around what brings us joy, like realizing we don't need that commute back, or maybe people have literally moved houses into spaces where they have more green areas or they've redecorated. In fact, I listened to this interview yesterday with the CEO of Etsy, and um, that's a business where makers can sell their products online. Uh, artists, seamstresses, craftsmen, all kinds of things. You can buy pretty much everything there. And their business doubled in the pandemic, which I think that is great because we're reconnecting with um, what matters to us most. And one of the fastest growing uh, categories for them during the pandemic was actually home furnishings, which I thought was interesting. People wanted to make their environments more beautiful if we're gonna be spending all our time there. Anyway, amazing interview, I'll, I'll link to it here. But um, I think what we're really realizing is what we desire and need or want most out of our life. We're going to really refocus on joy. So that led me to talk, think about when have I been most happy? How do I invite more of that into my life? How can that become part of my core business model or my passion projects? 
And really, when I think about that, what has brought me most joy most consistently has been traveling the world, meeting brilliant people, experiencing perspectives and cultures and sights and sounds and foods that I've never been exposed to before. So stay tuned here because I've got some great business pivots coming that are going to invite this back into my life and all of yours that I'm currently working on. And it's just, um, I know I have a good idea when it keeps me up at night. I can't stop thinking about something. So I'm going to share that with you soon. But two things really inspire the way that I've been thinking about how to do a purposeful pivot. And the first was a chat with, between Adam Grant and Ariana Huffington on the Thrive Global podcast. He was talking about his new book, Think Again. And if you have known me for even just five seconds, you know I'm a big fan of Adam Grant's work. And this book, Think Again, he said pivoted a little bit as he was writing it because he started pre-pandemic and then finished it in the pandemic. And his original idea was to study and motivate lifelong learners about continuing to be curious and to question our own thought patterns. And while that is absolutely present in the book, he said what ended up mattering to him most and became most fascinating was when he started looking at moving from a reactive mode where our life and our work are built around core assumptions, for example, core assumptions that our work freedoms and health would, would not be controlled by some unexpected external force like a pandemic. And he move, moved towards realizing that we need to question more in our lives in order to be prepared for growth. So his pandemic goal has become to be more proactive in rethinking and in gratitude. These are two big themes I got from his book. So his own core values have shifted. Not that it's <laughs> those things are unimportant to him, but he had an unexpected value move to the top of the list. And he said that that was integrity. Now he defines integrity really, I love his definition of it. So he says that for him, it's most important to only preach what you already practice. That's his definition of integrity. Be the person you profess to be. I actually think that's a big challenge in today's world where everything is filtered and Instagrammable and is some kind of false version of perfection where none of us actually live in that space at all. And um, for us to really just be authentically us and, and share that, that is integrity. And second is what he talked about and described as active gratitude, which I found fascinating. Active gratitude is where you shift the emphasis from experience gratitude of like, wow, that happened to me. I'm so grateful. It's very, but it's a very internal experience. Whereas an act of gratitude is when you focus on expressing gratitude, expressing thanks, going back to that person who helped you so many years ago or months ago and letting them know that it still resonates with you and is still affecting you. In fact, uh, this happened to me just last week. I was writing the acknowledgement section for my book, which is the very, very last thing I'll be writing for it ever, <laughs> which is crazy to think about after working on it for so many years nonstop. But in writing that uh, acknowledgement section, I went all the way back to like my junior high, eighth grade creative writing teacher, who was the first one to make me really believe that I could be an author. I could write something that was unique from my perspective. And it was really fun to think about who really was involved in some of the major pivot points in my life of me growing and learning, learning to trust myself, identifying talents I hadn't anticipated yet. There's been some big milestones along the way, and it was really nice to go back and acknowledge those. So I think that's a nice challenge for all of us to focus on um, increasing our integrity of being the perf 
person we profess to be and to have an active expressed gratitude practice. I really love that because it lifts not only us up, but also the person who serves us. This is how we can really fortify those relationships with key people in our lives and actively inspire real change in ourselves and others around us. And in thinking about that concept, it reminded me of an interview that I listened to between Mo Gaudet on his podcast, Slow Mo, and Dr. Robert Waldinger. Fascinating guy. So Robert Waldinger is a Harvard clinical psychiatrist and psychoanalyst, and also a Zen priest. <laughs> I don't know how you do both. So that's, that's a lot of what they talked about in this interview. And I found it really fascinating. Like to be a Harvard professor is more than a full-time job, I imagine. It's the highest standard of academics. Um, but also to be a Zen priest is a lifelong journey for most people and takes a lot of focus and practice and dedication. And it seemed to me like those two things alive in one person would come in conflict with each other. It was really interesting to hear the way in which he has cultivated both sides of himself to create something really to me, it seems fairly magical what he's done. He's also the director of one of the longest running studies of adult life ever done in the history of ever. It's the Harvard study of adult development. And this started, he's the third or fourth director of this program. So it started off um, during World War II and they studied two groups of men. Uh, one were men who were studying at Harvard College and the other half were from the most disadvantaged neighborhoods and families in Boston. And they have studied them from the 30s all the way through today. They still have, I think, 60 or 70 participants from that original group still alive and being studied. So he summarized a lot of what they have found in the study in an amazing TED Talk he did. So you should definitely Google that. And what they were really looking at is trying to answer the question of what, what indicates a healthy and happy life. What are the biggest predictors? What can we control? And I think this is what we're all looking for right now, right? It's like, what can I actually control when so much control has been taken from me that will make me happy and healthy? Where can I invest my time and my energy right now? We didn't, none of us have time or energy to waste. So how can we be sure that we're really focusing on what will bring us the results we're looking for? start off with the premise of looking for what makes people happy. That means that you have to probably have accomplished some major goals. You focused on something that has brought you satisfaction and pride. And so they uh, did a study asking people about their major life goals. And about half the people either said to get rich or to become famous. And I don't think that has changed over time. I think that is at the heart of a lot of people's idea of what success and happiness would look like. But actually, they found that there is no correlation between these. And in fact, often an inverse relationship between wealth or fame and actual happiness and peace. So what does? What they actually found is the biggest indicator, not only of happiness, but literal physical health is close relationships. More than money or fame, <laughs> what keeps people happy throughout their lives are having enriched relationships. These are people who are more connected to their friends and family and community who are literally living longer. 
there's been many studies done show that loneliness is actually toxic. Not only are you less happy, but your health and particularly your brain function declines much, much sooner. And this is really alarming because reportedly one in five Americans self-report that they're lonely. Uh, and I think he pointed out something really important about this. You can be lonely in a crowd. You can be lonely in a marriage. What actually matters is the quality and not the quantity of our relationships. And to me as an introvert, that's really good news um, because I, I prefer to have just a few close friends that I can really count on that know me well, that I don't have to self-censor or feel judged or hesitate to share a thought and experience or a frustration or even a big goal. It's really about the quality of those relationships and how much you've invested in it. So good news for me, I don't need 500 best friends. <laughs> I can stick to my uh, family and my, my closest best friends. So satisfaction of relationships were the biggest indicators of health. Better than any medical tests like tracking your cholesterol, really the satisfaction protects our health and our brains when we're satisfied in relationships. So a good relationship literally is the closest indicator of brain function, of your memory, your um, cognitive ability, and um, is also a biggest indicator of how long you will live um, and at that higher brain function, which I found fascinating. Uh, but this really takes investment. To get to this level of quality relationships that you really count on, there are no quick fixes. This is hard work. This is being very purposeful in how you're cultivating them. So this is where I paused and asked myself, have I supplemented my work friends with personal friends? Now that I have left the Google Nest a few years ago, have I supplemented those relationships that were a huge part of my life, joy and satisfaction? Have I built that in my new life here on the other side of the world in Europe? Have I invested in relationships with my family and friends and community, especially now when we're all remote from each other and living so far apart and seeing each other in real life so infrequently at the moment? I'm so glad that that's starting to come back. But I, I definitely feel like this is harder as we get older because it doesn't happen by default the way it did when we were kids. When you're kids, you naturally have these friends because you were in class together or you're in these activities together that your parents signed you up for. But adults don't do that. Why? Why don't we do that? Why don't we sign ourselves up for classes, go to the community library, go to a lecture, join an online book club, and uh, replace some screen time with some people time? Okay, sometimes people time comes through a screen like um, most of our days now on Zoom. But let's seek out some new activities and um, build some friendships that way. Because if you've met somebody like in a book club, for example, you're probably aligned in your values of learning and being curious and studying. Maybe it's even around a particular theme. So it's a natural place for us to build some quality friendships. This talk also, one of the things that stuck out to me the most was a, a challenge that came at the end of the conversation to where he said, don't sleepwalk through your life. I love that. For some reason, that really like made me stop in my tracks of, am I sleepwalking through my life? And by that, I think it just means literally just being in our routines. Am I walking the same path to work every morning? Am I seeing the same people? Am I doing the same things? Am I experiencing just Netflix and chill and then sleep and then nothing else? And there's been a fascinating study. I wish I could find it. I've been searching. If someone out there knows what it is, please send me the link. 
because I think about this all the time. There is this clinical study done that shows that you can literally experience time more slowly when in new experiences. So for example, if you go on vacation to a place you've never been before, the day feels really long because you're having to think really hard about navigating through the streets. Uh, you're experiencing new food, new routines, new people, sights, smells, sounds, all the five senses come alive. And that's a lot for your brain to process. So it's making all these new markers in your head. And that makes your experience feel so much richer and longer. Whereas when we're in our routines, there's no new information that needs to be permanently stored. So the day just flew by and there's nothing of significance that we take away from that. Definitely has happened to me even more uh, during the lock lockdowns that we've been experiencing. And another point from this interview that I thought was fascinating was as a Zen priest, he explained that Zen actually isn't what most of us Westerners define it to be. Feeling Zen is actually about being present. It's not just about sitting there peacefully, maybe meditatively with your eyes closed on a pillow. This is about just being fully present in the moment and maybe being fully present with emotions that we're not comfortable with. Maybe you're feeling upset right now and Zen for you would be acknowledging that feeling, allowing yourself to feel it, and then doing something productive with that feeling. That is Zen. And so when he was talking about how to balance his life as a professor and running this longest, you know, human study ever and being a Zen priest, how does he do that? For him, uh, his workload is very intense as most of us have, but he really prioritizes taking mini retreats. He does this every few months and it can be just a day or sometimes it's a week where he gets out of his environment and into one that invites new thoughts and especially peace. So for him, that's usually a silent retreat. I've actually never done a silent retreat. I've done a lot of thinking retreats, whether it's I go somewhere new with a big pile of books and read somewhere beautiful, or I go on a curiosity tour where my main goal is to experience new things and be inspired by beauty or, um, new thought leaders or inspiration, but a silent retreat I haven't tried. So I'm going to, I'm going to take this challenge. Uh, I have no idea how that's going to go. <laughs> I'll report back, but for him, he's, it's really about stepping away from our endless to-do lists and getting out of our environment and seeking out new things, new beauty, new ways to be creative, areas of inspiration and joy and to actively pursue this. So with this framework in mind, let's go back to my original questions and see if maybe we've got some areas of clarity with this lens. So first, if you're transitioning from being a manager to a leader, maybe you can ask yourself, how can you invest in your team? How do we enrich those relationships or maybe express more gratitude as motivation and to encourage particular behaviors in your team? Or maybe in what ways can you reconnect and focus your work and your company or your team on what matters both to them personally and to the company? Because hopefully there's a big overlap there if you've hired really well around your values and mission. What connections do you as a leader need to make now to step up to become a leader? Maybe you need to extend your social circle to professional connections who understand what it feels like and that it's lonely at the top and to share some of their best practices or frustrations or just to, to hear that other people are feeling all the feelings you're, you're experiencing as well. Or maybe you need to seek out a mentor or a sponsor who will help you up level. Or there was the question, what to do when your ideas don't work out? So maybe we can ask ourselves, can you seek out new moments of inspiration? 
Do you need a mini thought retreat to pivot your ideas and to be inspired? Maybe to bring you to pivot those ideas into a new proposal that might work and to start some experiments? Or the question of when to level up and when to leave? Are you going to reinvest in your growth path in your current role or company to increase the quality of your life and your work? Or are you surrounded by the people who inspire you to be better and contribute more? Is your work centered around what you value most? If the answers to those are no, perhaps it's time to go. But if there's opportunity there, maybe your answer is to level up and seek out something beyond your current job description. Fourth question was about stepping into the spotlight. Are, you, are there people who you feel a calling to serve through your work? Maybe that's your spotlight. Uh, can you accomplish this in your current role or maybe you need to carve out some time for a side hustle? Have you been opting out of this spotlight out of fear? Is there something holding you back from contributing something of value to your team or family or community that's really calling you to be brave enough to step into that spotlight and get a little attention on yourself? I, something that's really helped me in this, when I felt myself shying away from the spotlight, there was a quote I saw, I think literally on Pinterest or Instagram or something one day that stuck in my brain for years and has given me some bravery to allow myself to assume my own spotlight. And that quote said, there is someone out there who can only learn it from you. And that really inspired me because I've worked with some of the most inspiring, impactful, like best in the world, thinkers, doers, implementers out there. And I shied away from it because I thought, well, if someone was going to learn it, they should <laughs> learn it from Jeff Bezos himself or from Eric Schmidt or Marissa Meyer herself. And really, I think that's true. What gave me the bravery to even write my book, Bet on Yourself, at all was that there's someone out there who could would be too intimidated to learn it from one of my CEO bosses because of their celebrity status or just even assuming that their life experiences wouldn't apply to them. There's someone out there who can only learn it from me. And I'm going to issue that challenge right back at you. There is someone out there who can be inspired only by you, who can learn something only from you. And if you step into that spotlight, it isn't necessarily about seeking out that fame or wealth. It can be about that person that you're going to bring along with you. And that is how we answer the last question about how can we engineer serendipity? We can create that our own luck by being purposeful, by looking for these opportunities to up-level and inspire and get out of our current comfort zones, stop our usual patterns, invite some new inspiration, create opportunities, and bring people into your life who are going to allow you all to up-level together. So remember that challenge, please don't sleepwalk through your life. I really believe that you have something special that the world needs from you most. And I hope that you'll get out there and inspire your own community of people and um, make a big bet on yourself. And please share your journey with me. It's been so rewarding to hear your takeaways and the projects you've taken on based on what we've talked about on this podcast. So please continue to share, rate, and review. Until next week, go out there and make a big bet on yourself.